you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Right now on Fast Wall Street's hot streak rolls on. The S&P and NASDAQ now riding a four-week winning streak into the weekend. The S&P up more than 12% in the last month. The NASDAQ nearly 16. Where do we go from here? We'll debate that. Plus, speaking of high flyers, Kathy Wood's ARK ETF sizzling this summer, up close to more than 30% since the start of July. The chartmaster is here to lay out ARK's next move. And later, retail Palooza on deck, a venti-sized winning streak for Starbucks and taking an options bite out of Apple. I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money Live from the NASDAQ market site on the desk tonight. Courtney Garcia, Bono and Ice, and Jeff Mills, and Steve Grasso. And we start off with a major milestone for the markets. The S&P closing near its highs of the day, climbing another 1.7% to round out its fourth winning week in a row. That's its longest winning streak of the year. The index has now also recouped more than half of its losses from this year's monster sell-off. All 11 S&P sectors were up for the week with energy, financials, materials leading the gains. So as we head into the back half of the month, the end of earnings season, what is in store for the markets? Jeff Mills, we were roundly, largely bearish on the panel last night, and here we are celebrating this winning streak and this huge run into the close. Yeah, I'm definitely a, a battered bear at the moment, but I, I'm not ready to change my tune just yet, and, and I'll tell you why. So obviously we're talking about this 50% retracement level, so uh, there's that. There's the downward sloping 200-day moving average. So there's plenty of resistance right above us. So I think next week's going to be really important and really telling. You can point to some really important names for the market as well, whether it's Amazon, Microsoft, all just approaching that downward sloping 200-day moving average. So again, next week's going to be particularly telling. But I said this last night, and I just did a little bit more work on it today, but it still concerns me that it's the speculative stuff that's leading the way. I know we're going to talk about it with Carter, but you know, when did the 10-year top? It was on June 14th. When did ARC bottom? It was on June 14th, along with really everything else. So I don't think it's a coincidence. I think we're in this relief rally driven by rates. And I think more than anything, that's what has me cautious right now. If you look at the 10-year, it's actually higher now than it was prior to that soft CPI print. I don't think we're off to the races in rates, but I also don't think they're going to be the tailwind that they were for a lot of these names that have led the way. Uh, I was looking at coin today. I, Look at the last four days, down 10%, up 7%, down 10%, up 9%. When these names that have performed the best recently are sort of flailing around like that, obviously not trading on fundamentals, uh, it still just leaves me with a little bit of caution here. What do you make of this straight, Courtney? Um, you know, this week we were cheering backward-looking data on the consumer, which gave enough confidence to the markets that maybe the, the worst is behind us in terms of the consumer facing inflationary pressures. And yet next week we're going to get much more sort of real-time reads in the consumer when all of these retailers report. Yeah, so I think next week is going to be really important. But I do think we're at this time right now where we're finally getting good news that actually is meaning good news in the stock markets. And I think we're all a little happy to see that. But we did. Over last week, right, we got a really strong jobs number. CPI came in lower than expected. The producer price index was lower than expected. And even import prices were lower than expected. So I think all of these things together are a positive sign that hopefully we are seeing inflation peak here, which leads us to believe that it could mean that the Fed might not have to be as aggressive with their rate hikes, which is ultimately going to be a good thing for the consumer over the long run. 
So I know we've never had a situation where we've had this 50% retracement and then traded down to retest the lows. And I roll my eyes just like you probably will at me when people say, yes, but this time is different. But in a, from a historic context, we're also in uncharted territory in a lot of ways. We've never had housing prices be this high as it pertains to median income. We've never had this amount of liquidity in the market. We, we haven't had the speculative mania that we've had also on the institutional side when it comes to crypto and crypto-related assets. So there's a lot of things that are very different. Oh, and we also haven't had a pandemic since, I don't know, 1918 or 1917. None of us can remember that except for Guy. So there are a lot of things that are different <laughs> coming into this that will set that will set up for us to say, okay, I can understand from historical context, this may not have happened, but there are a lot of things that are now in play that haven't happened that may, may just make this time different. So does that mean this time is different, the markets should go higher, or this time is different, the markets should go lower? I'm saying the fact that we have not retested lows after this 50% uh -huh. retracement, if there's a time that for it to happen, it will likely be this time. Okay, so we could see that. We actually, we, you know, Sam Stovall makes the point that in the past 50% retracements, Gross, and I know you, you know this because you're all over FIB levels, Fibonacci, your favorite, uh, you know, technical yes. indicator um, but 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 we've we've often actually retested lows we've never made a new low but we have retested lows so what do you think closing above that 4231 level means for the markets so so let's just throw in another layer of a Fib, uh, fibonacci when you come back to the 50% retracement people who follow fibonacci sell between the 50 and the 618 so that would probably line up with where Jeff is looking at the 200-day moving average uh, being resistance in the, in the overall marketplace. But I have a problem with that stat. I, I, I don't really understand that stat, to be quite frank. If you look back at the January high, then you had to forget, where, forget right now that we're in August. If you look back, there's plenty of times we rallied off recent bottoms more than 50% only to make new lows, because there was, in fact, that June low. Who says that the June low is the carved in stone that we're moving off the Fibonacci's? That's the beauty of Fibonacci's. You sort of look back to see where you get that retracement. Right now, you get that retracement at 4231, mm -hmm. all the way up to, let's call it 4350. That should be the sell zone. So whether or not it retests the lows are not remains to be seen. The market's got a reprieve because he had a great uh, uh, what they perceive to be a great CPI number, which maybe is peak inflation, maybe peak Powell. And Melissa, midterm elections. I know they're not a political or, or, or you know, a, a agency or a sect of the government. They're supposed to be a standalone, but he doesn't want to screw that up for Democrats. So maybe you see a 50 basis point raise versus a 75, and that'll be enough to keep the market going on track until uh, maybe year end. So basically you're positing that the Fed is going gonna, is gonna to make rate hikes political. Uh, no, I don't think that they're going to make rate hikes political. Basically, I think you, that even if they don't know they're... the Democrats. So he's going to go 50 instead of maybe I, 75. I think, I, I think that if he's on the fence, well, first of all, I'm no fan of the Fed and I'm no, uh, I'm no enemy of the Fed. So I'm agnostic when it comes to the Fed. I do believe that it would probably behoove the market and the Fed to raise by 50 basis points. The Fed has a history of overreaching. I don't think they're going to overreach 
in September, knowing what they have coming down the pike for them in the midterms? Whether or not, um, whether or not 50 is driven by political reasons, Jeff, or, or just reasons because we, we are starting to see maybe signs that inflation has, in fact, peaked. I mean, do Steve brings up a good point in terms of the midterms. They are around the corner at this point. And, and come, you know, after Labor Day, that's what we're sort of going to be focused on. Is, does that enter your thought process in terms of the environment that we will be in investing wise? Uh, the only thing that I could point out may be interesting to the viewers. We actually had a webcast earlier this week and I highlighted this and I don't really know the reason why. I mean, people talk about uncertainty just being removed from the market, but the market has not been down in the year following a midterm election you know, basically ever, you know, it's been a very, very long time. So, you know, take that for what it's worth, but sort of an interesting statistic. And when the track record's that good, you know, maybe we pay a little bit of attention to that. But, you know, I just think whether it's 50, whether it's 75, whatever the case may be, you know, we remember that the Fed is still tightening. So, you know, they may slow down, but in terms of them stopping or doing a hard pivot, I just can't see that happening, especially when, you know, forward-looking inflation expectations. We like to look at five-year inflation expectations a year from now. They actually continue to creep up. They're higher than they were in June. These are the things that the Fed's paying attention to. And I almost think regardless of what they do going forward, you know, they've already created this growth issue while fighting the inflation issue. And that's going to have an impact on earnings going forward. I keep coming back to that. Uh, and I just think it makes it very difficult for the market fundamentally to maintain the rally that we've seen. All right. Well, Jeff had pointed this out earlier, but high multiple stocks on a tear since markets uh, June lows here. Look at the ARK Innovation ETF up more than 40 percent since then, though still down sharply on the year. So can some of the market's more speculative names keep up the winning streak? Carter Braxenworth joins us now with the charts. Carter, good to see you again. What do you think here? Yeah, I mean, this is this is the epicenter of both the win and the loss, right? I mean, if you look at ARC, this is the thing that was a 10-bagger off of its low that then, of course, lost 78% of its value and now is up 50% from absolute low to high right now. I mean, this is the octane stuff. It's where there's a lot of speculation. My view is that it's overdone. Uh, let's look at a table or two. So here are a few select names. If you look at the Russell 3000, and just simply sort by best performers from the absolute low on June 16th um, and eliminate small caps names, Carvana, uh, you see AMC or Roblox, look at the names. These are names that are popular and those are massive. Just to put those numbers in perspective, ARC is up 53 from absolute low to high. These are all almost double that. Apple's up 33, S&P's up 17. So does this continue? Here's the chart of ARC. We are now back to a difficult level uh, where some overhead supply comes into play. But most importantly, look at the third and final chart. This is the all data chart uh, for ARC. So again, you've got a $15 low in 2016. It's a 10 bagger to 160 high in 21. You lose 78% of your value. And then now it's thrown back to the underside of the trend line. And typically a 50% move back to the underside of a trend line that you broke is a rally to a level where overhead supply emerges. Sellers very glad to get their money back, act. And then of course, sellers from below. Whoever nailed it, dumb luck or brilliance just weeks ago, is itching to book their gains. Carter, I have a, a question and that is, why does this chart look more vulnerable to you than some of the other names that have made huge runs off of the June lows, like an Apple, for instance? 
Well, it's an entirely different circumstance, right? Apple uh, loses uh, some 28% from its high, maybe 30 all in, and then it's back to very close to all-time highs. This is something, when you lose 78% of your value, uh, which things like Amazon did in the dot-com, it takes a long time to recover. So this is just a time thing if it's even able to go higher, whereas Apple is quite close to an all-time high. But taking a broader look at the markets, Carter, you think maybe markets are where they belong? I mean, we had this conversation this morning on Squawk Box, so pre-market, and you said to me that you thought basically maybe, maybe a lot of assets like yields, stocks, maybe they're about where they, sh- they should be at this point. And then we right. had this rally so, today. So yeah. um, well, what does this all mean? Nothing. Yeah, sure. Let's, let's talk about that concept. Meaning if rates were going up for a long time and they re-rated from 3.5 to 2.5, oil up, 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 and then it re-rates, I mean, loses from 130 to, to $90 a barrel or stocks plunging and then re-rating up. We've had a lot of volatility, a lot of directional moves. We haven't had any quiet periods this year. And I think we're probably going to go into a quiet period now, which is to say sideways or down. Carter, thanks. Carter Braxton Worth. We'll see you back here in a few minutes for options action. Um, so, Steve Grasso, what do you think? A quiet period? It's been anything but that this year. Yeah, this this has not felt like a, a quiet period. But I, but I think when you look at through the prism of speculative stocks, what in this marketplace, when the when the risk is to the upside or the risk has been to the upside in the last couple of weeks, what happens is people who have shorted stocks run to cover. They have the most to lose. So you start to get, it's very indicative of every rally to have the shorts, the the most shorted stocks be the ones that lead the rally. That always happens in every rally. We just don't know if it's long lasting and it remains to be seen. Yeah, uh, you know, when I sort of, you know, raised my eyebrows and Carter said we're heading into a quiet period. It's not because I don't believe Carter. Of course, Carter's made tremendous calls, Courtney. But, you know, we've seen very light volume in the month of August on days like today. And we're heading into a period where, where everybody's going to come back <laughs> after Labor Day. And you don't think that there's the potential for a quiet period when we've got sort of full force coming back to work soon. It's true. Yeah, I think the idea of a quiet period, I think, could make a little more sense when we're still several weeks away from the next Fed hike. And I think that's what a lot of people are really waiting for right now. So I think I I guess I could see it from that standpoint. Um, But I agree. I think ultimately a lot of people are waiting for some higher volatility and high volume days in order to call this, you know, full capitulation before we have a a further upswing from here. Whether we need that or not, I don't know. But I think um, it may not be a bad thing to have some more volatility before we head off. Coming up, earnings season may be winding down, but there's a big slate of retail names on the calendar for next week. How should you set yourself up ahead of the reports? And later in Options Action, Sour Apple shares of the iPhone maker have rallied more than 30% off their lows, but the traders think it is time to fade this name. We find out why and how they're doing it. More Fast Money in two. Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? 
Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com, that's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. There may be some relief inside for the consumer. The latest data from the University of Michigan showing consumer sentiment topping expectations in August. The report comes as Wall Street gears up for a big week of retail earnings. Home Depot, Walmart, Target, TJX among the key retailers on deck. So what could these reports reveal about the strength of spending and inventory levels, too, Bono? And obviously that has been a real concern for the likes of a Walmart and Target specifically. Yeah, I mean, I think all eyes are squarely on Walmart. They've got to show, one, that they've got a a handle on inventory management, logistics, consumer behavior, and then the read-through in terms of what our consumers doing. Are they continuing to to kind of like trade down and look for replacements, or are they actually now kind of trading up and spending money on, you know, apparel and things of that nature that are a bit more higher margin for the company? I think Walmart will tell you all that you need to know about the consumer at this stage in the game. I mean, the good news from the retail perspective is that there are reasons in the back half of the year to spend money. And uh, Target CEO already talked about that, you know, months ago at this point. He talked about, Courtney, uh, you know, back to school. He talked about people having Halloween parties again, dressing up in costumes again. <laughs> so it's it's all back. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then we have the holidays around right. the corner. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot coming up here, but I think it will be really telling when we see both Walmart and Target coming out. Um, and Walmart, I think, will be a little more interesting because they have a little um, more of their products are less discretionary focused. So Target's like 67 60 to 70 percent of their products are more discretionary right so these are like clothing electronics mm-hmm. and if you are seeing this trend of people going from goods to services not even just their spending that might be reflected a little bit more in target so i think i do think when we look at walmart we're really going to want to see are people still going to walmart are these affected by inflation but a lot of these issues might be short term if inflation's coming down their consumer might be a little less affected they might have some of their supply chain issues figured out but we're really gonna have to see when they report earnings next week how do you think the concerns about consumer higher mortgage rates jeff are going to play out for the likes of a home depot and a lowe's yeah, you know, it's, it's actually really interesting. So at face value, it's like, do I want to own a Home Depot or a Lowe's with the housing slowdown? I mean, existing home sales down 20%, new home sales down 20%, mortgage applications down 30 plus percent. So on face value, it's like, no, you don't want to own Home Depot or Lowe's. Um, but I looked at a chart and we can throw this up now. And I just I thought this was fascinating. We have Home Depot and we also have Walmart up here. Walmart, maybe not as surprising given the product mix that Courtney just talked about, but All of the underperformance relative to the S&P 500, uh, particularly for Home Depot, occurs before recession actually hits. And that's versus, you know, traditionally cyclical names like J.P. Morgan, Caterpillar. You see them underperform during a recession. But the average outperformance for a Home Depot during the last number of recessions has been 30 percent. And that's including 2008 when I think it outperformed over 40 percent versus the broad market. So sort of interesting here. If you think we're going into a recession 
even with the housing slowdown, you know, history tells you that the underperformance occurs before the actual economic contraction. So, you know, depending on where you think we are in the business cycle, maybe you don't run from the hills, uh, as, it, as may seem obvious from a name like Home Depot. Perfect segue, Mr. Recession, Steve Grasso. What do you think? Yeah, well, I just think what Jeff started off on his answer saying that there's you know, less loans are going to be taken out. I think that's the critical point that you want to look at. There's going to be less mortgages taken out. There's going to be less home equity loans taken out. So that doesn't really act as a tailwind to a Home Depot or a Lowe's. So I would not be a buyer there. I'd be a buyer of the high-end stuff, Ralph Lauren, Capri, and I'd be a buyer of the low-end that, that deals with oversupply, raw stores, TJX. All right, coming up. Is it too early to talk about pumpkin spice latte season? Maybe, but this year fans of Starbucks' favorite fall flavor may have to brace themselves for a big change. We'll tell you what is being reported about this drink after the break. You're watching Fast Money live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. Potentially bad news for pumpkin spice latte fans. The Street.com reporting Starbucks is planning to hike the price of the fan favorite by 80 cents. But a Starbucks spokesperson issuing Fast Money a statement saying, we do not have any details to share on our fall menu. Starbucks shares have been on a winning streak recently, the stock up eight straight weeks, its longest run since early 2019. Um, Grasso, you strike me as a, a mocha kind of guy, but this really goes to the, the point that, you know, at what point do consumers start pushing back on price increases? Yeah, I think that the consumer that goes to Starbucks and buys coffee is not the one that really cares. That sounds like it's a, it's a, it's a pretty decent price hike, but most people are paying with Apple Pay and have no clue. And I, I'm not joking when I say this. They, they have no clue what they're actually paying for anything. If they have discretionary money and they're walking in with Starbucks, I don't think they're going to care. If it's a regular coffee, I think that people care. But when you have something that's a little kitschy and going into the holidays, I think people will be spending that money there. More importantly, with Starbucks, it's running into resistance here at the 200-day moving average, which is a little over $91. I'd be more concerned with that than the $0.80 price increase on on the uh, new coffee that they're offering. You obviously have not heard Tim Seymour in his rant because he buys regular coffee at Starbucks and has for more for decades at this point and is complaining that that's he's the kind said. of guy who can that's afford it. That's what you just it. said. What, but, but he doesn't want to pay because it's just an insult. That's what you just said, though. He's bought it for decades. And he's still and buying he's it. And he's bought it for decades. <laughs> and yes. he's still buying it. But, Courtney, <laughs> at some point, the consumer will push back. Maybe we're not there yet. I think that's a question of when, because I think yeah. so far Starbucks has actually done a good job of increasing their prices, and the consumer has been willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And really, they have their rewards program, and anybody who's in their rewards program tends to spend two to three times as much at Starbucks as somebody who's not in there, which I think just shows how loyal of a customer base they have. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm not a pumpkin spice latte person. I'm not going to pay the extra 80 cents for it. <laughs> uh, but it seems like a lot of their customers might, so I don't necessarily see that as a problem for Starbucks. I'm not paying a dime for pumpkin <laughs> spice latte. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Steve Grasso. Princeo, the stock was up today, and I expect a lot more of it. You have an uh, activist investor that's dedicated to helping move the needle. Jeff Mills. AutoZone, I think people want to fix, not buy cars right now. The chart is looking great. It's about to break out to a new high. I think you play the momentum. Courtney Garcia. Uh, Walmart, we have earnings coming up here, and I think there's been a very little positivity priced in yet. It might be worth a look in the short term. 
Bono and Eisen. Charge point has had quite the run. I think you can stick with it, but I'd be looking at calls here instead of stock. Quite the run is up 13% just today. Wow. Quite the run. Yeah. <laughs> that does it for us here on Fast Money, but do not go anywhere. The fun is not over. Options Action is up next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.